real estate over there and hustle over here. Got real estate over there and hustle over here. Welcome to the Uninvited House Guest Podcast. I'm Tony Stanford. I'm Joy Bailey. Thank you for checking us out. So the National Association of Realtors just released some data from from last year. Um, turns out about 88% of home buyers last year um, were they, they look they look like me. They were they were white. Uh, do you do you care to guess how many melanated human beings in America? What percentage bought houses in 2022? It was it was three percent. Three percent. That's how many. I don't have an easy, quick little quote that I could zing out there to solve the world's problems, but the disparity is stark and you have to be blind not to see it. When we talk about the difference in wealth inequality in American households, even not just a, a black and white divide, but the, the disparity in homeowners and renters in household wealth. Um, there's a lot to unpack about whether or not buying a house is a, is a, is a, is a smart move for, for everybody. And I actually don't think it is, but I do not think you can argue that it has been a powerful tool to lift a certain segment of the population up financially, um, and to, to see the disparity in people who are able to, to, to grab that thing, to pull that lever, uh, is, is pretty stark. Um, So, that sounds about right to me. I mean, 3%, I mean, yeah, that sounds a little low. It's shockingly low. I do know for quite some time that um, the uh, African-American population has started to lag behind Hispanic population in terms of home buying. Um, I don't know what's contributing to it. Just from my day-to-day -day conversations, I think it's honestly more mindset than money. Um, I have always taken the stance and I will always take the stance that black people are not poor. Uh, but I do consistently have uh, conversations that revolve around um, the shock of what the payment is going to be relative to what it is that they're trying to purchase. So there's um, incongruence between reality and expectation. And then um, just general savings. Um, one huge misconception, and I don't know why this exists, but people think, oh, well, I'll just get down payment assistance. Down payment assistance does not change the payment. It only helps you get access to the property to be able to get the payment. Um, you know, even if you're getting a $15,000 in down, down payment assistance, your you know, payment, $3,000 in 2990 is the same number. So um, that is certainly something I think that's, that's heart hurting us um, as a, a group of people. But uh, yeah, 3%, that's, that's shockingly low to me. Um, I don't know if I'm shocked per se, but I would say the, there's a disparity. There's a, I'm, I'm a social media guy. I think I'm a social media guy, but I often see a debate on whether we should rent versus own on social media. I often see where renting is, um, that people, a lot of people are pushing a narrative where renting is better. You don't have to worry about maintenance and, uh, it's cheaper. I think is the way they're trying to sell it, but it's cheaper. 
um, and are smarter if you're not going to live in the city for X number of years. Um, and I think what we learned in the pandemic and the downturn is that one in general, like investment, when we talk about investing in general, which they say your primary home is an investment, we can talk about that later. But generally investment, the longer you hold something, the better off you are, right? So again, if you bought your home 10 years ago, right, your home is worth at least double what you pay for it. It's just a fact, no matter where you lived. And we also seen in the last three or four years where if you bought later in a cycle that, again, your house is probably at least worth, again, 100000 more than it was before. So I say that to say, is renting cheaper? Possibly. But you also lose out on the equity that we're talking about, the homeowner's game by, again, living in a house for 10 years or three years, et cetera. Um, I have a client. I was talking to him two weeks ago, actually. He bought the he bought a house with new construction. He bought the largest lot in the community. So he has the largest lot. No one has a bigger lot than him in his community. Uh, his house was actually, he, he pretty much built the model unit. Um, and then when he got it was right before like COVID and everything went crazy. So he got it. He got perfect timing. Um, mind you, again, he has the largest lot in his community. They just sold the the model home now. So the model home looks like his house without the square footage, essentially. And that house sold for almost $700,000. Mm. So, and he bought for how much? He bought for less than that. So let's say he gained, let's say on the, on the low end, he has $250,000 in equity in his house. If he decides to refinance, sell it, or just get line of credit or equity on it, um, and he didn't do anything but just live in it for three years, essentially, right? Because, again, they just finished the community. So the other, obviously, thing I always tell people is if you get a new construction, you want to try to get in, in the community relatively early um, because, again, you get the built-in equity because, again, once the whole community is sold, the price continues to go up. So he not only benefits from, again, having the largest lot in the community, he also has the benefit that the fact that, again, the house that's closely, is not even close to him besides-wise, but close like him but internally, it sold for again about two hundred fifty thousand more than he paid, and that was like I said, that's probably it's probably more than that, but let's say two fifty more. Um, and you don't get those type of gains as a renter. You don't get any gains from a renter. And I'm not to push. I'm not talking negatively about renting. I'm just saying the the difference between the two is the equity. Um, and again, I don't know any asset that you buy that you can sell it proportionally higher than you bought it for. Um, I'm in the sneakers. I've never been able to sell a pair of sneakers for much more than I paid for them. I, 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 maybe I don't have the luck that I need to have to do that. Um, but I don't know too many things I could purchase that it's going to just grow and continue to grow um, in that manner. Um, so what he's saying, the guy in the, the video that we played, was just saying is there's a segment of people who are always benefiting from that, right? And there's another segment of people who aren't benefiting from that. And that's really what we want to focus on, not the usually rent should you buy. But I, again, I just had to talk about it because... It's it's a part of the the conversation. Yeah, it's definitely relevant. Um, I'm looking at something here um, from the uh, Mortgage Bankers Association, uh, and it basically says here that the payment um, for purchase applicants has increased 2.5% to $2,165 in May. So it went up from... $2,112 $2,112 in April. So it's increasing and that's indicative of the, the interest rate, of course. But I just, I know just from my conversations that people uh, just they have an idea of what it's supposed to look like and they don't want to. Um, 
I'm, I really was debating my head if I wanted to say this, and I, I got to get this out. Um, here's my beef. My beef with the African American population specifically is there is this attitude amongst some that you are supposed to get something for nothing. And until that mentality takes a sharp shift, get off these YouTube, you can buy a house with no money, all you got to do is go to Navy Federal channels and TikTok pages because this is a problem. And the sad part about it is, while in the video, he was comparing, um, I guess, the minority black brown population to everyone else. The reason why that attitude is out there is because there are black people pushing this idea. And they're like, oh, buy my class. All you got to do is. And you spend a lot of time looking for a way around how to do the thing. When all the while, if you just done the thing, you could have accomplished the goal to begin with. And so I think that that is a part of what's helping to create that small, what would you say, 3% of home ownership um, last year. I just, I, 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 I have to believe that because I see it constantly on my Instagram feed, on YouTube, and it is, Again, it is it's exploitation. It's taking advantage of people that don't know no better. And it almost it is it should be criminal, really. It should be criminal. And for it to have such an impact on the overall progression of home ownership is very sad. It's sad, but I mean, you know, I don't know if it's chicken or the egg. Like, is it is it are you getting taken advantage of or are you letting somebody take advantage of you? But it has to stop. You cannot move forward with a purchase of, you know, three hundred thousand dollars, three fifty, expecting to have an eight, nine hundred, twelve hundred dollar payment just because somebody said, Oh, if you buy my course, I can show you. No, they cannot. It's gonna take time, it's gonna take discipline. And it's going to take you to stop buying these cars because I say it all the time. Those automobiles is what's holding people back big time. But again, it's just it's a mindset over money. I'm, I absolutely believe that in the depths of my soul. It is not because black people are poor. And I guess to that point, I did also pull up the article he was referencing and um, he was the article, excuse me, references how people got down payment money. Um, and it said black Americans um, borrow from their 401k more than any other group at a rate of about 16% for their down payments, which is, you know, uh, housing is a qualified, uh, what is it, uh, expense, not expense. Uh, it's a free, it's a free withdrawal, essentially, as long as you pay it back. It's a free loan. Um, it doesn't come against your DTI as well, which is why a lot of people do it. Um, and they said Asian Americans receive gifts 22%. Um, and then maybe a loan from a relative at 7%. So it's interesting that, of course, for those who do decide to purchase, how they are able to do it. Um, if obviously, having 401k obviously puts you in probably a higher tax bracket than some people, or you have a relatively good job. 
um, because you do have that, but you also have the savings to be able to do that, especially knowing what the median housing prices were in the last few years. But I find it interesting that Asian Americans, again, have the highest rate of gift receivable as far as that down payment and or loans from friends. So 22 and 7. So basically 30% of their money is either coming from a friend um, or a family member. Yeah, it definitely happens. It happens a lot. Um, and it's so funny. Like, I I was talking to a realtor the other day, and she said that she was kind of fed up with the this um, oblivious attitude that some loan officers have to, to look at a loan application and say, oh, can you get a gift? No, what you think? What you think? So, no, but it does happen. It happens a lot. People are absolutely gifted funds mom or dad or hop on the loan to help with um, the debt to income ratio uh, it, it happens all the time there are lots of different ways to structure a loan but again these Asians ain't got these $900 car payments they do not and that is the problem you could seriously you could buy a $300,000 house and make $400,000 make, make $4, a month but you got too much debt. You have too much debt just entering into the equation because you know I, whatever. Well, I'm you about to make me mad. Like I just, I just know it. That's what it is. It's just, it's bad uh, decision making. And in the effort to correct that in the community, you know, now that we have social media, everybody's an expert, and everybody wants to give financial advice. Didn't you say DJ Academics was giving out Airbnb? Like, y'all, we gotta gotta be very careful where we get our information from because people are leading um, leading, leading some people astray. But it's, it's the cars, it's the cars, it's the cars, it's the cars. And I know Joy's blaming the car, so we'll, we'll slide into a conversation on debt. <laughs> Student loan, which is our favorite type of debt. Uh, the same article, again, that he's referencing, it says that Hispanic Americans actually have the largest share of student loan debt at 46%. That's shocking to me, but it's good information. Black Americans at 33%, white Americans at 17%, and Asian Americans at 13%. So uh, when we look at how the um, the, the debt from a student loan perspective is, is uh, rationed out, it sounds like Hispanic Americans followed by Black Americans, white, and then Asians. Um, which is interesting because it goes the opposite way when we talk about who bought the most houses, right? So we were 88% for white people, um, Hispanics had 8%, Black Americans was 3%, Asian Americans 2%, and then others 3%. So it's interesting that how the student loan affects basically the market, if that makes sense. In terms of who can buy? Who can buy. Or, so or, you're saying Asian Americans take out more more debt and they can buy houses at a higher rate? Is that what you're saying? No. So how can I say this? Asian Americans bought the only group that bought less housing than blacks last year. Okay. So 2% versus 3% last year. But they also, because of the student loan debt was a non-factor, basically because they're 17%. So oh, okay. they have the least amount of debt out of the groups. Okay. Um because it was 13%, excuse me, 13% Asian Americans. So they had the least amount of student loan debt, but we also talked about them having gift funds and things like that. So it offsets the fact that they do have any debt, it sounds like. Um, so I don't know if we're going to talk more about student loans. I know Joe never makes some announcements. So we might even talk about that. So we'll, we'll, we'll circle back on that conver- back to that part of the conversation. But again, this is a very interesting article. Um, our NAR, which is National Association of Realtors, uh, definitely has a lot of good articles. 
about, again, the data. Like, they don't necessarily always come up with solutions. Actually, they've never come up with solutions. But they typically tell us what's going on in the market. If you want to know what's going on, how the numbers are trending, uh, what are the trends are looking like, that's what they do. So uh, definitely a good article. I want to thank uh, that guy on TikTok for bringing that um, information to light. Um, and we'll definitely, I think, get into student loans in the next segment. So we got this segment of the podcast where we do like a trending topic. It's just a real quick blitz. Uh, if it's if a discussion gets too good, it'll turn into further discussion later. But it's called Mortgage Points. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about mortgages, obviously, or potentially about mortgages. Um, and today's topic is... So um, Supreme Court. Yeah, it was a no-go. They said uh, Joe's plan is not is not happening. That don't mean it's not going to be a plan. They just said the way that he presented it was not going to work out. Oh, that's what happened? I, I yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they so the way that I understood it, um, I guess the way that he was trying to present it was that it was tied to like a national disaster or COVID or something like that. I probably got it wrong, but it was tied to something and the Supreme Court said, mm, nope, you're going to slide that one in there. No, no, indeed. Find a different way. And so he came out and was like, well, we're going to find a different way. So he's um, he's remixed some things in terms of the way that we're going to be paying student loan back until they get things sorted out. Payments start back when? What month? October. October. So in the fall, basically. In the fall. Hmm. Yeah. Been what three years since the last pay- time this people Definitely paid maybe? Longer than that for some of us. Okay. You know, you learn how to kick that can down the road, it becomes a, a skill. <laughs> it does. Seriously. So yeah, so he, he's made some adjustments. So one thing um that I wanna make sure that is communicated, just because your student loan debt's not forgiven does not mean that you can't buy a house. Um, it was, you know, ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars that was supposed to be forgiven. Um, I um I am fully aware that one of the talking points that the Democrats are trying to make is that, oh well, it's keeping people from buying a house. It's not. Um, here's my uh suggestion. Well, let me back up. The other thing that they're gonna do um in the interim while they're figuring things out, he's gonna reduce the income based repayment plan structure so before COVID before all this happened uh, the calculation was made based upon your gross I'm sorry excuse me your discretionary income and your household um, members and 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 it was 15% of your discretionary income so if you owe you know $60,000 I don't know what 15% is um, hang on let's let's get my math whiz because young Whatever it don't matter. Whatever the fifteen percent is, um, that was going to be um, your payment. And mind you, whatever number we're going to tell you is a little bit high because again, it's it's off of your discretionary income. So um, now we moved into you know him saying, "Hey, we're doing this ten thousand, twenty thousand forgiveness, and you know if you still gonna have debt left." Let's reduce what you are going to have to pay the rest by, you know, 5%. So now we're going to lower your income-based payments down to 10%. Okay, great. Sound good to me. No problem. I like it. I love it. So with this issue with the Supreme Court saying that this avenue is not going to work and he has to go back and, and restructure it, 
at least in the short term until we have another election, uh, as long as he's president, he's like, hey, we're going to pause the student loan payments. Well, excuse me, I'm sorry, not pause them, but allow you 12 months to have an onboarding period where you know you can kind of restructure your finances and find that extra hundred dollars or extra two hundred dollars or whatever the payment is um to be able to make it so they will not be reporting you late or delinquent to the credit bureaus for 12 months the other thing is instead of the 10 percent uh calculation from your discretionary income he's reduced it down to five percent so making it even more affordable so if you think about it at this point, going from 15% down to 5%, that's that's kind of a big deal. That's kind of a, a gift. Um, so I, I love it. I'm I'm here for it. I think it's definitely a, a, a solid plan, and it gives you, again, if you're ready to purchase, it gives you an opportunity to get in there before you have any potential issues uh, with your student loan payments and things like that. Um, and, again, it's the lowest guess, payment plan that you'll probably ever have. Um, so again, something you can take advantage of. I think it's it's solid. Um, obviously, I wish that he was going to get rid of the twenty thousand dollars in debt, but uh, but it seems like again that's going to be pushed out. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, as a home home as a potential home buyer, I should say, um, you still have nothing to fear. There's again plans. You get into professionals like Joy, and they will you know help you identify the right plan, um, and kind of move forward. Well, as far as like qualifying to purchase a home is concerned, my recommendation is get on an income-driven repayment plan immediately. Calling people today, um, just get on a plan and present your letter when you are applying for the loan. Your letter it has to make sure it says that it's an income-driven repayment plan. It also has to itemize all of the loans that you have and all of the loan balances because they're going to compare that to what's on the credit report to make sure that all of the loans are accounted for. Um, However, they will take whatever your income-driven payment is. So if you are in a scenario where you owe $80,000 and you qualify for a $0 payment, great. Then that's what we'll take. If you are in a scenario and now, you know, 5% of your discretionary income will have that $80,000 payment be $125, excellent. So we'll take whatever that is. But in that same example, say it's $80,000, if you leave it up to me, I'm going to make a payment. And my payment that I'm going to make is either going to be $800 or it's going to be $400. So you literally control your own fate in terms of how much you qualify for simply by following the steps that I just outlined. There you have it, folks. Again, get on a payment plan, get your house. Um, Be better than uh, 3%. Our help is increasing from 3% to, you know, I guess 5 Is that too low? Um, But yeah, I mean, ultimately, again, don't let student loans get in the way of you getting your home because you you don't have to do that. Um, It's not necessary. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's time is now. Take the action. All right, well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Hopefully, we've uh, shared some stuff that you can use to uh, spark some discussion with your family and friends. If you love what you heard, please uh, share, like the episode. Um, again, we need more people to listen to get the information. Again, our goal is just to help people to become homeowners. 
Um, again, that's one person at a time. So definitely, if you like what you heard, share this with someone. Thank you. Peace. Paid off, got a house to the own. Paid off, got a house to the own.